The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm Chapter 3 Rescue Attempt They ran down the hall as quickly as they could. Stockholm realized that their escape had been only luck. With two blind companions and no light, their chances of getting out alive were almost nil. Yet Temek had always been a friend and ally during desperate times, while this human, Solus, seemed as if he had a part to play as well. The tunnels were becoming warm and they were sweating. Stockholm had to guess the way based on what little he'd heard from the goblins. The dwarf thought he knew where the other humans were being kept. Beyond that, he had no idea how they could leave goblin territory, but now that they'd escaped the pits, he would be damned if he was ever going back again. Stockholm may very well have lost his way entirely if the faint voices of several frantic females, followed by the sound of angry goblins, hadn't reached his ears. It's them, said Solus, who is listening for any clue in the void. Are we going to have to deal with more goblins? Stockholm didn't reply, though the answer was clear to his mind. Their goal was behind that far set of double doors, but he could hear at least six goblins inside, maybe more, and with no weapons and no plan, he wasn't sure it would be a good idea to get in the way of half a dozen angry goblinoids. Then he had an idea. He led Solus and Temek past the doors and up the hall. When I give the signal, it's safe to come back. Until then, by Morinar's beard, stay here. Stockholm snuck back to the double doors and took a deep breath before barking in his most convincing goblin voice. The prisoners are escaping. The dwarf had spoken in their own tongue, and the goblins perhaps knew that something in the message rang true. They abandoned the room and poured into the hall. The dwarf watched from his hiding spot as they ran, and noted that indeed the girls were not with them. This way, he hissed to his friends, and all three of them approached the double doors, which were latched shut from the outside. For a couple of moments, the men listened, trying to determine whether any goblins remained inside. They only heard the sounds of the girls, who were conversing urgently, and then the sound subsided. Stockholm decided that the coast was clear, and he stole forward to the doors. He unlatched and opened them, then peered cautiously inside to see three women standing back to back in an attack posture, each holding a shovel or a pick and ready to use it. They were peering towards him and in every other direction, very nervous. One girl had short cropped blonde hair, another long black hair, and one short black hair. The dwarf knew they couldn't see him, for all humans were blind without that rare magic they called light. No goblins, he said to his friends, and he opened the doors wide. The girl with the long hair started at the sound of rusted metal on its hinges. Don't be afraid, said Solus, hearing the sound. I'm a human, like you are. We're getting out of here, together. The girls were hesitant at first, yet these ones spoke the human tongue. They walked forward toward the sound of Solus's voice, ready now, since the alternative was waiting for the goblins to come back. Here, said Echo to the newcomers, handing them mining tools. Weapons. Stockholm was just in the middle of trying to organize the five blind charges, when suddenly a voice came into the room. Halt or you die. 
Instantly, the room was invaded by twelve more goblins and three of the chieftain's bodyguards. Solus prepared himself to fight, but Stockholm stayed his hand. No use, lad, said the dwarf. There are too many of them. We are surrounded. He put up his hands and encouraged the others to do the same. The lead goblin approached Stockholm and pulled him close by grabbing his beard. So, you understand our language? Stockholm wouldn't speak, so the goblin struck him across the face, knocking him to the floor. Maybe you'll change your tone for our chieftain. He may be very interested to hear how it is that slaves such as you thought it would be a good idea to start a revolt while trying also to steal our leader's gold. Leave him alone, shouted Solus indignantly, but he received a blow across the head as well. The goblin leader signaled his underlings to seize them, and a lot of them were forcibly led from the chamber. Welcome, my friends, to the Iron Realm podcast. I am your maze master, Abel Enzo. It is I who shall be your guide in the darkness as we follow the exploits of seven individuals who are fighting for survival in an endless maze of stone. Last time on Iron Realm, I gave you the summaries for the three characters Solus, Stockholm, and Temek. Today, I will give you the summaries for the remaining four characters in the group. Character Introduction Len Len is a human female cleric. She is level one. Len is a young woman of roughly average build, with sky-blue eyes and short-cropped blonde hair. Her skin is pale white from a lifetime living in darkness. Self-reliant and dependable, Len encourages confidence in others. Although not afraid to fight, she prefers a support role in the group. Len is starting to suspect that the gods and goddesses still exist and believe that they have given her power against evil. She has yet to prove this to herself and the others but is determined to do so and perform in a manner that will put her in favor with the divine. Treya, elven female, fighter wizard, level one. Treya is tall for her race, slender but toned. Treya's eyes are a vivid green color. Her hair is mid-length blonde. She often has a despondent, disconnected look in her eyes, for she is prone to melancholy. Treya speaks little and is not quick to act. When she does so, however, Treya does so decisively and with strength. Treya longs for contact with her own kind, the elves, but has decided to accept this group as her tribe for now, since they have proved honorable and kind, a rarity in the realm. Kailana, human female, wizard, level one. Kailana is tall and thin, with blue eyes and straight black hair that falls to the small of her back. Her skin is very fair white, and her features are delicate. Her face is heart-shaped. Kailana does not smile often. Kailana is desperately shy of others, having no idea how to socially interact with other humans or people due to a life of near solitude. Recently, she has begun to rediscover her native language, which she had all but forgotten. Deeply intelligent and thoughtful, but without the means for expressing it, Kailana's determination to recover what she has lost keeps her going. In addition to recovering her ability to speak, Kailana has also discovered that she knows the ancient arcane tongue of magic. Echo, human female, rogue, 
Level 1. Echo is a small, weak-looking girl. Her limbs seem fragile, and her body is frightfully slight from lack of food. Echo has short, black hair. Echo's face is pale, and her eyes are somewhat sunken. Echo's head is usually hung low, as she tends not to make eye contact with others. When she smiles, it is like a thin mask worn over sadness. Too many years in the Iron Realm have all but broken Echo. She is a suspicious person, devoid of most feeling, who is eager to hurt rather than be hurt. The distrust and pain and anger she has built up over time was suddenly alleviated when Echo was able to meet other human beings. Contact she, like the others, had never known before. The realization that positive feelings still existed in her has led Echo to become fiercely loyal to and protective of her party against all outsiders. Secrets of the Maze Master, Maze Master, Maze Master. Today is your day of good fortune. For today, I give to you the Maze Master's rare mapping secrets. With this knowledge, you will be able to map with greater ease and accuracy. Always feel free during a mapping session to pause the podcast from time to time in order to catch up. A reminder, the scale of the map is 10 feet per square. The top of the page is considered to be north. Sometimes during mapping, I will refer to a column of squares or a row of squares. A column is a vertical line of squares on the page going up and down. A row is a horizontal line of squares going side to side. I'll be bestowing upon you today the knowledge of six common shapes. Whenever I refer to a given shape during a mapping session, you are expected to draw the entire shape, connecting it to the end of whatever passage the characters are currently in. To practice these shapes, bring out a clean sheet of graph paper. I will describe each of these six basic shapes in turn. Leave a bit of space around each shape as you draw them. Straight away. The first common shape we'll see when mapping is the straightaway. A straightaway can be any length and can be horizontal or vertical. Let's try a five square straightaway. Select a row of five horizontal squares on your page and place a small dot in the center of each square. Now, outline the top of each square to make a line that's five squares long. Also, outline the bottom side of each square to make a second line that's five squares long. You may erase the initial five dots if you wish. Dots are drawn only as a reference. You have just completed a five square straightaway. I invite you to practice a few alternative straightaways too, horizontal or vertical of different lengths. Crossroads. The next shape is called a crossroads or a crossway, and it is shaped like a plus sign. To draw this, begin by selecting a square and placing a dot into it. This is the center of the crossroads. Move to the square that's northeast of the center and create an L there by outlining the west and south sides of that square. Now, Move to the square that's northwest of the center and outline the east and south sides of that square. Move to the square that's southeast of the center 
and outline the north and west sides of that square. Finally, move to the square that's southwest of the center and outline the north and east sides of the square. You will note that the inside of the shape encloses five squares. You have completed your crossroads. T. The third shape is called a T. It encloses a total of four squares, so let's begin by marking them with dots. Select a row of three horizontal squares and mark them. Find the square that is just below the center square and mark that too. Let's call that square the base. Now enclose the T-shape as follows. For your row of three squares, outline the top of each square to create a line that's three squares long. Next, in the square that's just west of the base, outline the north and east sides of that square. Finally, in the square that's just east of the base, outline the north and west sides of that square. You will note that your shape now encloses four squares. You have completed your T-shape. It is assumed that when the characters enter a T-shape, that they are entering from the base. But when this is not so, the position of the base will be indicated explicitly during mapping. Note also that there are three other forms the T can take. The shape you have drawn has its base pointed to the south. A T's base could instead point to the north, east, or west. Take some time and draw the other possible T-shapes, each of which is a rotation of the one you have just finished. The U-turn. The next shape is called the U-turn, the double back, or the hairpin turn. A U-turn encloses a total of four squares, so let's use dots to indicate them. Place a column of two dots on your page, and then, to the east of each of those dots, place one more dot. You have now indicated four squares total. First, find the southernmost two dots and outline the bottom of each of those squares. Next, find the eastmost two dots and outline the east side of each of those squares. Next, find the westernmost two dots and outline the west side of each of those squares. Finally, find the northmost two squares and outline the side that separates them from one another. This is your U-turn. Really does look like a letter U, doesn't it? There are three other possible U-turn shapes. You can imagine what each of these looks like by rotating the shape you've drawn. I leave it as an exercise for the mapper to draw the remaining three possible U-turn shapes. The L-turn. The fifth shape is the L-turn. Place a column of two dots on your page. To the east of the southernmost dot, place another dot. The squares you've chosen indicate an L-shape. Now we shall enclose it. Find the two westernmost dots and outline the west side of each of those squares. Then, find the southernmost dots and outline the bottom of each of those squares. Locate the single eastmost dot. Move to the empty square just north of it, and in that empty space, outline the south and west borders of that square. You now have your L-turn, which always encloses a total of three squares. 
there are three other versions of the L-turn that can be drawn by rotating the example you have here. Draw the remaining three variants now. The room. The final shape for today is the room. The room is most often drawn in the shape of a rectangle or a square. Draw a room now that is five squares by five squares on your map. If done correctly, each of the room's four walls is five squares long, and the room itself encloses 25 squares. The door to the room is located in the very center of the southern wall, so represent the door in the center of that wall by drawing a tiny square into it. You can shade the door if you like. There is also a secret door in the eastern wall of the room. So in the very center of the eastern wall, draw a letter S into the wall. This will look something like a dollar sign. This room also has an open doorway in the western wall. Represent it by drawing an equal sign in the very center of that wall. If you like, erase the part of the line which is between the lines of the equal sign to show that the way is open. Finally, let's draw a trap door in this room. It is located in the very center of the room. Find that square, which is three over and three down, and draw a circle there. If you want to be more specific, you can add a letter C for a trapdoor that's in the ceiling, or a letter F for a trapdoor that's in the floor. For added practice, draw a few more rooms. Make one that's four squares east to west and three squares north to south. Also, make a room that's six squares east to west and two squares north to south. Make a room with dimensions that you've chosen. And finally, place one kind of door into each of these rooms at a location of your choosing. Advanced Practice To practice your newfound knowledge, create a straightaway with a length of your own choosing and then expand the maze by adding on each of the shapes we learned today, one after another. A crossroads, a T, a U-turn, an L-turn, and a room. Use more of each shape in order to design your own original maze, or use this method as the basis for your own solitaire dungeoneering adventures. Tribal Matters During the Tribal Matters segment, you will receive an update on the character's status. As we open our game today, it is 9 o'clock a.m. It is the first day of Primaris. The characters are on level 1 of the dungeon. They are located at 38 across, 14 down. They are right outside the first door. All characters currently have full life points. The current marching order is as follows. In the front, Solus and Stockholm. Right behind them, Len and Echo. Behind them, Kailana, and finally in the back, Temek and Treya. The room is four squares wide and six squares north to south. The door is located in the second square of the southern wall. Stockholm the dwarf opens the door, and as the door begins to come away from the frame, instantly a shining red glow emanates into the hallway. Be careful. 
says Len, and the group is immediately on their guard. Yet, when no danger is obvious, the group carefully moves inside, closing the door behind them. There is a great crystal positioned at the exact center of the room. It is hovering a few feet above the floor. It looks much like an exploding star, with shards emanating out in all directions. A low hum comes from the crystal. The characters approach it very carefully, allowing their eyes to adjust as the soft red light falls upon their bodies and illuminates them to one another. On your map, go ahead and draw an asterisk-type shape at the exact center of the room. You'll notice that it doesn't fall into an exact square. In fact, the shape should be positioned between the four central squares of the room. Indulging briefly in each other's presence, the characters move on to the more practical matters of the current moment. We are still defenseless, says Solus. Let us search the room for anything we can use in our defense. Let's stay clear of the crystal too, says Stockholm. We best not touch it, since we know not what it is. I'm going to rule that the characters have a 20% chance of finding some rocks in the room that they may be able to use as weapons. The dice have come up a natural 100. That is the best possible success. So I will say that every character has secured a stone. The rocks discovered in this area are sharp, and because a nat 100 was rolled, I'm going to rule that these rocks deal 1 to 3 damage in combat, rather than the 1 to 2 that I otherwise would have ruled. A character is able to do 1 point of damage with bare hands. As she pulls her rock from the floor, Kailana finds herself face to face with the great crystal at the center of the room. Don't go near that, hisses Echo. Stay away. As Echo goes to Kailana and grabs her arm, Kailana says, No, wait. There's something familiar about this crystal. As the wizard in the group, I'm going to give Kailana a roll versus intelligence in order to determine more about the crystal. Versus Kailana's intelligence of 12, she has rolled an 11. That's a success. Familiar? Says Echo incredulously. What's so familiar about it? Well, I... Says Kailana. Don't know. But I can tell that it's highly magical. Magical? How? I'm not sure. But I feel like it's calling out for me to touch it. Will touching it activate its power? Says Solus. Yes. Says Kailana. I believe it will. We'll hold that option open for when we really need it, says Stockholm. That's good work, lass, but that's enough for now. I'm going to rule that the characters have taken so far about 20 minutes in this room. Real Roleplay As we finish up Episode 3, I'm going to reward you tonight with a short roleplay interchange between the characters. The setting, the crystal room, where all of the characters are seeing each other for the very first time. Enjoy. As they reached the door cautiously and prepared to open it, Echo held her hand up and said, Wait, let me listen and see what I can hear. The dwarf grunted his approval and the girl with the short black hair went to the door and pressed her ear to it expertly. There's no one in there, she said. It was hard to do in the dark, but Echo also checked the door for traps, again finding nothing. 
way is clear, she said, and they opened the door. As the group entered the room, they were all of them bathed in a pink, soft light. The room was rectangular, and in the middle of the room, there was a giant crystal sitting in mid-air. They looked back and forth amongst each other because the light it cast allowed each of them to see each other for the first time. I'm Solus, said the man with the brown hair and blue eyes. He approached the girl with the long black hair first and smiled in a friendly manner, extending his hand. Kailana, she said, taking his hand. My name is Kailana. He was a beautiful man, she thought. Somehow safe, strong, caring. Solus was likewise intrigued, having never seen a female of his own kind, or even another human whatsoever. A curious pause. Then the spell was broken, and Kailana gingerly withdrew her hand, averting her eyes shyly. The other two girls approached, and gave their names to Solus as well. I'm Len, said the blonde girl with the short hair. Echo said the smaller girl with the short black hair. Both of them grinned girlishly at Solus. And I'm Tunnick, said the halfling, loudly, from the other side of the room. He ran over, showing openly his eagerness to engage in the conversation. True, said the female elf. She had a strong presence about her. She stood almost indifferently in the pink glow of the gemstone. And I'm Stockholm, said the dwarf. He spoke with urgency now. It's good that we're all acquainted, but we can't stay here long. We still don't know where we are, or whether the goblins are far behind. Lass, says Stockholm, then corrects himself. Echo, the room does appear safe. Will you check the perimeter for anything else? I'm here. I'm here, said Echo. She checked the floors and walls for traps by the flickering pink light. Patiently, and with the manner of an expert, she strained to hear any clue that might give them an advantage if there was an ambush near. "'What's she doing?' asked Temek, curiously, but he was hushed down by the others. "'She's a thief,' Solus later explained to him, an expert in getting into places unseen and unharmed. "'Clear,' said Echo. "'It's safe.' At her pronouncement, the others spread out more evenly into the room, searching for anything they could find to their advantage. As they did so, they came across an unlikely find, a number of rocks which were hard but sharp. These could be weapons for them in the realm. Though crude, these would keep them safe. Stockholm hefted an especially sturdy rock in his hands. Well, that's two times you've been right, lass. I have a feeling we'll come to depend upon your talents a great deal. At this, Echo smiled. Thanks, she said. You have been listening to The Iron Realm. If you would care to express your appreciation for the show in the form of an email message, write to the Iron Realm Podcast at gmail.com. If you are a skilled illustrator and would like to donate some of your work, both Iron Realm characters and illustrated scenes from the show, for a possible future Iron Realm written guide, submissions are gladly accepted. Please consider submitting your original artwork as a donation to the Iron Realm cause. Finally, support the show by sharing with friends and family so that the legend of the Iron Realm can live on. Thank you all for your support. Character 8 
At this point, you've been introduced to my seven characters. The cleric, the wizard, the fighter, the halfling, the elf, the dwarf, and the rogue. But, as of yet, I have not been introduced to your character. Character 8. While listening to the Iron Realm, it is your option to create your own character and play along. The system for doing so is extremely simple, and there are two ways to do it, depending on whether you wish to roll dice or not. Listening to the podcast takes on a whole new meaning when you are watching to see what it is that will happen to your own character in addition to the results for the group. The very simplest way to play, the no-dice method, can be accomplished by you with great ease. Simply decide what kind of character you want to play, from the basic seven classes, fighter, cleric, wizard, rogue, elf, dwarf, or halfling. Once you've made your decision, come up with a name and a description for your character. Your character is considered to have shared fate with the character on the podcast who has the same type as yours. So, for example, if you have come up with a wizard character, then your actions, rewards, and damage taken in the game will be exactly similar to that of the tribe's wizard, Kailana. This simplest method is very similar to choosing a favorite character from the group, rooting for them along the way, and sharing all the excitement of their successes, as well as the bitterness of defeat. In this version of the game, if the character with which you have shared fate should die, then the game is over for you as well. You may, however, choose to bet on a new character in a podcast that follows. Again, that is the simplest, dice-free version of the game. Good luck. May victory be always yours. The Iron Realm... Copyright A.B. Lenzo is the world's first play-by-podcast RPG campaign. A portion of tonight's female voice performance was drawn from audio originally created by and offered by Ashley Eddy through freesound.org under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Further information can be found at theironrealm.com or at theironrealm.blogspot.com under this episode's show notes. My sincere thanks as well to you, Ashley, for your masterful contribution to the Iron Realm cause. I have been your maze master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. Iron Rail! Good night, everyone.